0: Possessor? I hardly even know her. Just kidding. We like to have fun here at America's Most Clandestine Podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. Or am I a CIA operative wearing his skin like a suit? I'll never tell. I'm the man with two brains, Ben Sheets. And, uh, you know, it's called
1: Possessor, but shouldn't it be called Possess-im? Hi, Him? hi i am Cleveland Mosier, and... I think it's time for a face off.
0: Ooh. (laughs) Much like Ben, uh, around here we all like to get brain two times. uh this
1: speak for yourself but all right we're we're
0: back we're back from zombie island this week talking about a very very different film we're talking about the brand new 2020 film possessor written and directed by brandon cronenberg the son of the legendary body horror master david cronenberg and the film stars andrea riseborough Christopher Abbott, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and Sean Bean. And many more. And and many more, yes. And uh, it is a deep, dark dive into uh, a story of a secret agency that commits assassinations by possessing the bodies of random folks and making them seem like uh, spree killings. And
1: deep and dark it is
0: deep and dark well ben this was your pick um so why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction into possessor sure so the reason i picked this is it's been getting a ton
2: of buzz first off and it's a movie i've been keeping my eye closely on since the end of the year actually of last year Uh, i thought it was going to be An end-of-the-year pick, but it didn't actually end up coming out until this year. Directed by Brandon Cronenberg, son of David Cronenberg. Auteur, you could say. Yeah, this movie is a really interesting mix of body horror and uh, thriller, psychological thriller, I guess you could say. Um, It's very visceral, um, very stylistic. Yes.
0: Extremely violent. Yes. Very gory, very brutal. We're just riddled with tension.
1: Yeah. The whole movie, just edge of your seat. And lots If I had to yeah, <laughs> condense the feeling of this movie into
0: an P, yeah. It's just yee the whole time, just whoa. And lots and lots of full penetration. Be that the penetration of a knife into somebody's neck. Or the other. Or a needle into somebody's head. Or, or the other. Or a penis nope. into, uh, well, you yeah, know. Yeah. Well, it's funny, because we watched
2: the uncut version.
0: <laughs> there and- were some uncut things in here, all right. <laughs>
2: And <laughs> cut, know, and, and lots of cut things as well. well. Well, yeah, we were making the joke beforehand, comparing it to the uh, It's Always Sunny bit.
1: Yeah, the you,
0: Dolph Lundgren. You said a, it at a really
1: crucial moment during the movie, I think. Uh,
0: where Dolph Lundgren has the power to smell crime. Guys, we're going to show full penetration, and we're going to show a lot of it. I mean, we're talking, you know, graphic scenes
1: of Dolph Lundgren really going to town on this hot young lab tech. And then he smells crime again. He's out
2: busting heads. Then he's back to the lab for some more full penetration. He smells crime, back to the lab,
1: full penetration, crime, penetration, crime, full penetration, crime, penetration. And this goes on and on and back and forth for 90 or so minutes until the movie just sort of ends. But it really does sum up this movie uh, beautifully, I think. Uh, yeah. Crime penetration, crime, crime penetration. penetration uh, um,
0: yeah, in this case, sometimes both at once. In this case, it's not necessarily fighting crime; it's uh, committing crime. Then back to the lab for full penetration, and uh, and so on and so forth. This film fucking ruled. Frankly, yeah. Um, I I went in with very high expectations. Um, I. Did not know about this film's existence until about a month ago, a little more maybe. Um, but I have been hearing all the buzz as well. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you picked this one for us because I Same. definitely um, wanted to watch this. I went into this thinking that it was... Brandon Cronenberg's first film. Uh, it's not. He did that thing, *Antiviral*, back in 2012, and he's done a few other like smaller productions uh, well, since then.
1: N- none of us have seen *Antiviral*. No. no. Okay. No, yeah.
0: Correct. Uh, this was my first Brandon Cronenberg. Same. Same. Um, but uh, man, what a. Not my last. No, I'm gonna definitely keep an eye on this dude. The fingerprints of his father are all over this too, thematically. It's... The apple doesn't
1: fall far from the tree.
0: Yeah, thematically, it's very similar to david cronenberg's stuff there's a lot of like weird psychosexual stuff just like extreme brutality sort of warping of the human form the body horror the kind of uh dystopian science fiction kind of thing like i was getting videodrome dead ringers Just, like, all kinds of vibes from this movie in all of the best ways that felt, like, fresh but still, like, homage to his dad or just, like, passing the torch. I don't know. Well, even down to
2: production design, it it definitely rings mm -hmm. very true to the Cronenberg pedigree, I guess you could say. Like, uh, the, the device she uses to hook into someone is very... David
1: Cronenberg and yeah. its look. It's very uh, Geiger-esque I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But believably so which is something I liked about it. it. It conjured like in its silhouette like the feeling of a Geiger like object but it felt almost believable in this world. It, it felt like medical equipment which yeah. is very Cronenberg. You know yes. Dead
2: Ringers and all its medical tools is
1: very similar.
2: Yep. And Would so I... it doesn't
1: feel like high fantasy. It, it, Yeah it feels like something you could plug into and I, I, I appreciated that about it. Uh, and that's almost any aspect of this film. Like, it's, it's a film you can reach out and it, it touch or will reach out and touch you <laughs> for that. The, the immersion is, is really rich.
0: What I, what I was kind of surprised about in this movie that I, I grew to really appreciate, or I mean, I guess I, I liked it from the get-go. But, like, science fiction typically has kind of, like, a pristine, sterile quality to it. Lots of white, chrome you know, clean, bright metal and stuff like that. And this movie is very, like, the science fiction stuff is, like, very dark. It's it's more muted and dirtier in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, they're implanting the devices in the back of their victim's head in, like, a dirty ambulance that they just... It's <laughs> just parked on the street. Yeah, mm-hmm. The calibration device that we see multiple times is just, like a needle that you have to, like, insert into your skull. Yeah, it looks and... like a
1: fucking meat thermometer. Yeah. Yeah. Or like an AUX, like an aux cable, like, just yeah. with a needle on the end of it.
0: <laughs> with, like, a—and a, the device itself is, like, a little black plastic thing wrapped in, like, leather with, like, a stereo knob on it. It's interesting in kind of, like, a timeless way. Like, it feels like it could be in the future or right now, or even in the near past, you know. It's, or the future past, Or yeah. the future past, or um, whatever. Yeah, the, the design of the shit in this movie is is very fucking cool. Oh, yeah. If I
1: had to draw any association, my biggest pick by miles is the original Ghost in the Shell. There are some sequences that are just homages to it. When uh, the assassin is, is first being, like, plugged into the the target. That whole sequence is right out of Ghost in the Shell like the reforming of her body. I can't see it as anything other than an homage to the opening of the original ghost in the shell with the animation where the major is being rebuilt. It's just so similar with the skin being poured on, but here it's used as such a beautiful metaphor. And it's so effective in the the hollow body, just sort of forming out of liquid. Nothing really cool. Like uh, just gorgeous. Yeah. Incredible effect. Mm-hmm. I, and,
0: and done practically as well mm-hmm. with probably a little bit of computer enhancement, but, mm-hmm. um, Um, Very obviously practical effects.
1: And Ghost in the Shell uh, does the same thing with like that that sense of a heterotopia as well where the time isn't that far in the distant future. It's Mm -hmm. it's near enough to still be believable and there's a lot of grit, a lot of grit and dirt in those movies. Um, And the tech as well is portrayed the same way. Um, like if you look at, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the other detective who's, uh, has the, the eye replacement, like it has that same like, uh, medical tech. Um, like hard shell casing believability to it. It's not all just lasers and and shit, and it's not all like pristine and shiny all yeah. the time. And it just makes such a more like so much more of an immersive world to walk into. And yeah. God, I I if Brandon Cronenberg had directed the live action, I can only imagine how cool <laughs> that could have actually been. Uh, what a shame! But enough about that.
0: Yeah, you're really just uh, talking to yourself. I yeah, I, 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 know, I know, best 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 in it in really show, but it really is
1: comparative. And Ben, you can agree with that, right? Yeah, and not well, just in the I, effects, but also in the plot.
2: I I would say uh, in terms of effects and the the dirtiness of technology, I I saw it parallels with David Cronenberg's stuff. You know, stuff like Existence. Oh, I forgot
0: about Existence! It's uh, very
2: much, you know, dirty technology, but, you know, it makes the world feel so much more tactile and real. Um, And while I do see the Ghost in the Shell connection, I do think, you know, the dirtiness is more Cronenberg than uh, anything else. Well, it's um, it's
1: definitely that. There's there's no doubt there. The, the thing I love about the,
2: the dirtiness, though, is a lesser director would have taken that and just made a gray-looking film. Mm-hmm. This movie's incredibly colorful. It's one of the most colorful movies I've seen it this year. it Just every shot is so vibrant. You know, they use... Bright primary colors mm-hmm. wherever possible,
0: all with intent too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. It's it's often like on a background of muted colors. Uh, so you'll have like a character in like a stark blue shirt, you know, like yeah, on a more like muted the, background. The so the color is very isolated. In the opening mm-hmm. sequence, all had these bright
2: blue. Uh,
0: outfits like tracksuits. I thought they were. I thought they were like a Heaven's Gate style cult at the beginning because they're all like matching blue <laughs> yeah. tracksuits. But they're like waitresses at some like upscale fancy party, or like when we see inside the uh, the evil corporation. Um, whose name I've forgotten, Zuthu, Zuthi, Zuthi Zuthipu, or something Zuthi, like that. It's, it's
1: essentially Abstergo Zuthi, from Assassin's Zuthi, Creed. Like,
0: yeah. Well, no, I mean the, the one that they infiltrate. Oh, Not, yes, yeah. that one. Yeah, um, yeah one. Yes, Abstergo. <laughs> 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 that, that secret government agency is, uh, is never named. While we're on that note, especially in science fiction, the word dystopian gets thrown around a lot, but I think that this is a, an extremely dystopian film. In that it plays in so much to like all these modern fears like government agencies watching you, body snatchers, greedy corporations where you're like forced to do depressing and demeaning work. You can't work your way to the top while the billionaire lives in exaggerated opulence, while taking pleasure in the misery of the people below them. All of this stuff is, especially in... 2020 in America in the ongoing pandemic where we were seeing the billionaire class getting richer while more and more people slip into poverty and unemployment. It's like this movie is very depressing. It's I was a, depressed well, for the so, entire movie. What's
1: so lovely about the setting that you described, too, is that often science fiction like overplays that hand. Yes. And it gets caught up in just the the world building, which can be not great, but it gets caught up in treating it as original. Yeah. Whereas this one is like, okay, we we've all seen this song and dance before. This is the background. Let's focus on the characters Well, I think and even if, well, it's largely character driven in that that cool world. Even and more I, I always, so, always it's because it's that.
2: such a real dystopia. Yeah. You know, like Facebook already has people looking at wretched, horrible things all day, every day, in the h- tens and hundreds of thousands. You know, of people just doing this content moderation doom job. scrolling.
1: Yeah, I think is the term.
2: Doom yeah. Um, and so. to see something like that uh in this setting where they're just content iding stuff it's it's very
0: by by illegally accessing the the webcams in people's like home assistant devices to as, as we see the protagonist in the body of uh of the other guy um to like figure out what kind of curtains people have in their houses. So they know how to better advertise to them. The company is a data mining corporation. And even so it's like, that's distilled even more by like, they don't even have offices or cubicles. They're all just in like a bunker wearing VR goggles of an office, of, like, a corner office. Yeah. So they, it gives the illusion of them being in an office with, like, a lovely view, and they've got, like, the computer in front of them, but they're just, like, crammed, like, sardines into this basement, just, like, invading people's privacy to sell which data to advertisers. Yes, like it's which
1: so is, <laughs> is great because I want to go back to this, and I know, like, uh, T.C., you haven't seen it before, but I, I really do think that there are some... Sp- some more strong comparisons to draw keely being that both of these films center around the concept of like the loss of identity uh that being ghost in the shell and Mm -hmm. this and ghost in the shell the primary focus is focus is on the loss of the identity via technology right like once your brain can be copied like what what is left of you if your body can be rebuilt what is the ghost what is the soul and this film tackles those same concepts in a very similar way, but via just removing the technological aspect beyond it being utilized as a tool, right? Like in Ghost in the Shell, it's about implanting your consciousness into a robot. This is about implanting your consciousness into another person.
0: Where their consciousness still exists, which becomes a major crux of like the third act of the film when we see both consciousnesses struggling to maintain control of the same body and gain yes. control and gain control They're such a yeah. cat
1: and mouse of sorts in there and something that i love about both of these films is that they, they both utilize the setting to further play out that theme ghost in the shell is set in hong kong which is a location that has had its identity forcibly changed multiple times and this film is set. I don't believe it actually ever says directly. I'm pretty but
0: sure it's Toronto. Toronto. Yeah.
1: It, it's set in Canada, which also has many identities, right? It's, it's French Canadian. There are characters with British accents. There are characters with American accents. The, the, the culture has melded. I love that use of theme and that, that carryover there. So you can see like why I keep coming back to like ghost in the shell. I mean, also it's because it's one of my favorite movies and I think it about stops there, but that, that use of identity, mm-hmm. um, you know plays a huge role i
2: want to go back to the the content farming a little bit i think one of the things that's so revealing about that sequence and how it plays out is you know she takes the body of a boyfriend of the
0: boyfriend of the company's heiress yes
2: yeah and you know we later on meet the the company owner essentially who's played by sean bean Mm -hmm. uh and you know it's revealed that uh, Sean Bean put him into this position of content farming, yeah, you know, out of a sort of cruelty because it's very clear that Sean Bean realizes how awful and psychologically damaging a, he takes pleasure a role from like it. this yeah. is, and uh I think the fact that we see that he knows that and it's kind of a sadistic thing that he's doing really illuminates how awful the practice really is yeah. and it kind of shows you know in a lot of these situations even in real life you know these people know how
0: awful it is of course. and they well they get off on it yeah And like he and his daughter resent each other, so when she has a boyfriend, Sean Bean wants to essentially try to drive that boyfriend away because he wants to deprive his daughter of happiness. So how does he do that? Oh, come work at my company in the most demeaning and depressing position that I can put you in which in this case is a content farm to just like sort of see how ambiently like people like that will just play with the lives of others. I mean, this movie and we'll get in. I have more thoughts on on this later as well. But this movie is called Possessor. And that term has a lot of different meanings in the context of this film. Like, of course, in a literal sense, it's, you know, our our secret agent, Voss, possessing the body of Colin so, you know, she can assassinate the daughter and Sean Bean and whatever, but also, like, there is a constant struggle about possession in general. Like, who is po- who is possessing whom? Like, Sean Bean possess- has this sense of possession over his daughter, and he wants to have that control. And then we have Jennifer Jason Lee's character, who's like Voss's handler, who is herself extremely possessive of Voss. She's, like, actively trying to separate her from her family because she's her best agent, you know, and she wants to pass the, the, the torch along to her. Everything in this movie is just, like, a massive web of who is possessing whom in as many different yeah. ways as possible. Yeah, uh, well, the and
1: theme th- is well played out.
0: I, yeah. I
2: love how you mentioned Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, you know, kind of possessing our main character. Yeah. uh, Because she does mention that our main character was separated from her family, but is, you know, trying to get back into their lives more actively. And you see a scene even early on in the movie where she goes back and she has to kind of train herself how to communicate with them. Because it's, it's clear that, you know, continued use of, you know, taking other people's body takes a toll on her, essentially.
0: Well, yeah, assuming their identities and having to become them for days at a time in order to not blow her cover and to be convincing. It's like, it's the ultimate method acting deal to the extent that, and she's so good at it that she loses her own sense of self. She's unable to identify what is her and what are the pieces of the people that she has become so yeah when she's trying to interact with her family we see her standing outside practicing things to say to them in different inflections and voices and stuff like that to try to seem normal Mm mm-hmm and we see that, like once she takes control of colin like the the extent that this career has damaged her because of how easily she starts to dissociate from herself and get lost in him, so- which
2: is part of the reason why. Colin's consciousness can come back and start controlling his body. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which I think is just a brilliant connection there. And it's the same reason the waitress didn't shoot herself, you know. She uh, ended up shooting the cops because she didn't want to end herself. It was the the, other consciousness coming through and taking— self-preservation,
0: unable to harm itself, yeah. Yeah,
1: just brilliantly done. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and often with a a degree of subtlety that isn't seen often enough frankly uh and it's it's always appreciated uh one one little fact i think is is kind of fun is one of our characters in the film who isn't as directly involved in the body swapping is the actress tuppence middleton um not a real name uh, uh <laughs> is a real name doesn't sound like a real name uh but it's tuppence uh, middleton who um i love from uh the show sensate which is also about body swapping how about
0: uh, that <laughs> so i think
1: that, that's sort of fun um uh, her character uh, as the the fiance uh is great or as sean bean's daughter she doesn't a a great job uh, as a supporting role. I think uh, it's a little late for us to say, um, I think, but we all really enjoyed this movie. And for me, I didn't know anything going into it and being able to put the pieces together organically in the setting was really gratifying. Maybe we could tack that to the front of this because the less less I think you know, the better.
0: Yeah, I knew the basic premise, but that was about it. Um, The basic premise, and that it was Brandon Cronenberg. Um, So I feel like I had an idea going in, like what I could expect tonally. But yeah, in terms of like the way the story unfolds, it's uh, twisty and turny, feels like it doesn't, it's (laughs) an oversimplification. Like it doesn't really do it justice. But nebulous, organic. Nebulous, yeah. um, To use the the most hated word cerebral
1: (laughs) Um, i mean it it is this movie is literally cerebral like it's about brains so i i think i think we're allowed to use that term yeah and not sound too pretentious because it's like it's about brains y'all that's
0: that's become like the generic term to describe like all of christopher nolan's movies i know (laughs) and as much as i have fun with a lot of his stuff like this is a way smarter, like, more literally cerebral film yeah, than th- anything uh, that he's ever made. This
1: movie isn't just smart for dumb guys, uh, I, I I like to think.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is
2: what I, uh, what, what Inception
1: pre- for smart people.
0: <laughs> what I appreciate about it, though, and we won't get into the end yet because there's a lot of other stuff to unpack, <laughs> is that though I felt like I didn't understand what was happening a lot of the time by design by the end, it tied itself off pretty well. Like, I felt like by the time the credits rolled, like, I was, like, well in control of, like... The, the pieces of the narrative, like I knew what had happened in the movie, even though if for a lot of the film, I didn't know what was happening, you know?
1: Well, one aspect that I think can separate this film from a Christopher Nolan is that it's not afraid to show abstraction when it could be interpreted literally. Yes, uh, there's there's a great deal of like metaphoric. Imagery that at the time you can't necessarily tell is actually whether it's actually happening or not. There's no like filters that come over the screen that make it like abundantly clear all the time because we're supposed to be sort of experiencing this from the pr- protagonist's shoes and the whole idea is <laughs> sort of reality breaking down as you meld in with someone else. So the the abstraction sort of becoming part of what we're seeing in front of us is uh, it's
0: it's more it's more psych- reality breaks down yeah it's more psychedelic because it's, like, really delving into the nature of, of consciousness and subconsciousness. So, like, you can get away with these kind of vague, ambiguous, abstract sequences. It's definitely not uh, the, the South Park joke about Inception, where thoughts of my dead wife manifest themselves as trains. <laughs> you know? <laughs> where it's like... In that it's it's like ooh what does that mean? But in reality, it's like it's not that deep, fam. You uh, know, like it's still very literally. It's like oh, we're going into dreams. So man, the 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 staircase, the the paradox staircase is there. You know, or like ooh the 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 hallway is spinning because it's a dream and anything can happen. You know what, what it I will feels like? It feels like a bad acid trip.
1: What I will say about the movie's plot is, I think this film is about as deep. As Inception, like it's it's really not that heady like conceptually. No, no, no. Like, which, which isn't the point. What, what I think separates this film and makes it feel deeper is the execution of it. Like, like is how it plays out the themes, how it uses like the possessor metaphors, like we discussed earlier. Uh, and we'll almost certainly discuss more. Uh, and the, the application of this movie is where like the, the mastery comes into play. Well, exactly. Uh, because if we look, if we break down the plot line, this organization is hijacking people's bodies so that they can assassinate them in a, in a way that seems believable or, Real, There is so much room for error in that like Rube Goldberg assassination style plot where it would just be way, way easier to just like have a random person infiltrate the party, like have it. It would be way, way easier, way more affordable. And more manageable to just just have a hitman kill them. There's really no reason to go through all of you these extra it's, steps. It's for,
0: it's, for the, it's for the believability, you know? It's about like it's it's the same kind of like evil corporate shit like high like hacking somebody's self-driving car to drive off the road. it's like, oh, it was an accident. In this case, they're having to jump through a lot of hoops, but like And the, they're fun hoops. The, the central plot of this movie is their hijacking the body of the boyfriend of the heiress who is like he has a past history with drugs he's on the outs with the father so the idea is that it becomes a murder suicide and they're hired by her brother who is next in line for succession and we never see him so it's like if there was just a hitman hired to kill them, and then the brother steps in to assume the ownership of the company, that's suspicious. He immediately falls under suspicion of having hired somebody to kill them. By making it look like a murder-suicide accident, it removes suspicion from him, and we see that the agency has an ulterior motive because they also have blackmail over the son, which they explicitly say what corporate really wants is to be able to take control of the company because we have the dirt on him we own him so we own the company
1: yeah well, which, which
0: feels realistic the motive
1: like is there there's there's no question about that like and just like purely from like a a realism point i think it's it's very rube goldberg-esque and kind of silly but like you can you can absolutely break it down this film does and it does it all with intent and that's that's the joy and beauty of science fiction. And it, I wouldn't have just just to be clear, I wouldn't have anything changed. It's like my favorite thing to do is take like something that's so odd and and try and make it work. I'm all here for it, and I love it. And I love it for that.
0: I mean, I I would I would say that like it feels realistic in the sense where like and we're not gonna I don't wanna delve too deep into this on the show because it's not the place for it. But if we want to like put on our little tinfoil hats you know and look at shit like the assassination of JFK and like 9/11 and like Epstein and it's like these are overly seemingly overly elaborate schemes to accomplish a sinister goal See, but it works Yeah, you and, know and and i think that in in the this film's case sure. it makes sense oh absolutely one, one thing
2: i wasn't 100% sure of when watching it, is the, the company that they're working for, is that a government or is that a corporate entity? Because I, I, I almost saw it as kind of hyper-corporatism and kind of a hostile takeover.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's ever explicitly stated. They, they refer to it as as the agency a few times. And, you know, of course, when you think of the the agency, you think of like the cia you know so yeah, it's like, but it's that's, also but it's, you know right but it's never explicitly stated and it's like its status as a corporate or government or extension of both things is like it's i love that we don't get any information about that and we don't see much of the agency either we don't see like all of these like body snatching assassins we only ever see our one and her handler Jennifer Jason Lee and like the doctors that put her, you know, into the machine.
2: Yeah, and I think going back to what Cleveland was saying about how this movie isn't the deepest, especially compared to something like Inception, I agree, and I almost think that if there's any minor shortcoming about this movie is I feel like they could have done a little more with the premise, in that, you know, I think if elder cronenberg was doing the same movie he would have kind of delved a little deeper into the psychology and the philosophy of what is going on where i think this movie covers a lot of
1: that excellently i think there's a little more to be mined from it for me I love exposition in sci-fi. I love, like, having a moment where the character explains to us, or or organically it's it's shown to us, uh, like, how something works or how the world operates. But also, it's so done and it's so seen that just having a film take itself for granted and just push through to the plot and, like, really keep the focus on the events themselves – was really satisfying, was kind of was a fresh breath of air. And I, to, to get too deep into how the machine works or whatever else, which, again, I do love generally in this context. I really appreciated that we didn't get that. Um, I, I was very happy to just have it have it be taken for granted for what it was and for us to just say it well, works. Th- it works through science things. And when I'm when I'm saying that I'm not talking about exposition
2: or explaining things. I'm talking about the ideas and the philosophy of possessing and kind of going into the, the central themes a little further.
1: Oh, okay. So you wanted, you wanted a, the boat scene in Ghost in the Shell where the, the major and the other guy just sit on a boat and talk about, like, deep philosophy for about five Not to 10 minutes? Not even
2: necessarily. I think the, <laughs> the one of the biggest things of David Cronenberg's stuff is he has such a knack for, you know, exploring these media philosophy themes, especially in things like Videodrome, uh, Existence, as well to an extent, with a sort of directness without being too in your face and I think the exploration of that stuff is a little deeper than we get here and I don't think that's too much of a problem overall in this movie. I think this movie is still fucking excellent but I think as Brandon Cronenberg makes more movies I think we'll see kind of a growth there I think that's kind of an avenue that he still has to develop a little and I think it's mirrored with David Cronenberg as well a lot of Cronenberg's early stuff is leaning on either side of that spectrum where it's too philosophically deep where it loses the plot or it's not quite enough Uh, whereas later in his career he kind of melts the two perfectly
0: yeah i mean i think brandon obviously has the luxury of like learning from his father and that tutelage and that experience but i would say like if you compare where brandon is in his career to where david was at the same point in his career i think brandon has the potential to like possibly outshine his father if he keeps if he keeps on on the path that he's going i think he's got a knack for it way earlier on
1: when it comes to the philosophy in this film uh, or philosophical dialogue uh or just the dialogue in general yeah we only really get the the monologue at the end about like the uh, like toxoplasmosis sort of like metaphor of a of, of brain parasite. And before before that, really any opportunity there would be for like world building dialogue to say like, oh, your consciousnesses are melding together because of X thing um, or and what this could mean for you like going forward. Like any of those opportunities are sort of shut down because Voss is so stubborn, is, is so like, like said, so nope, I'm fine. Let's keep moving forward when she's not. You know, right. like is, is sort of like in a state of like denial. I love that. Any chance there would be to have that is, is shut down by her. And it, it keeps so much of the conversation about identity left to visual metaphor. And the visual metaphor is so strong in this that it stands on its own two legs. And that's what I love is it's not needed because yeah. like the, the visuals, the abstraction tells us everything we need. And there's no fat in the dialogue. And there's just the one bit at the end that actually digs into the philosophy of it, allowing us to talk about the philosophy here outside of the film. It, it allows us and it gives us that opportunity and it doesn't hold our hand through it. And fuck if I don't love that.
0: In in that same vein, I agree with you. Um, I want to go back because um, I didn't really chip in when – y'all are talking about like the depth of this film as compared to inception. I can't believe we keep talking about inception. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, I think inception is fun, but whatever. Um, I agree about that. I, while I, I agree with you that like, yeah, this film isn't necessarily deeper. It is because of its simplicity that it succeeds in its visual abstraction. There's more to be gleaned from the sequences that we get because in terms of premise, it's very simple. It's straightforward, and it leaves a lot that you can take from it, from the sequences. Whereas Inception tries to be deep by becoming more and more convoluted like the idea of having to go within a dream within a dream within a dream and all of these things happening it's like a magician you know it's 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 sleight of hand it's needless it's, it's, complexity yeah, it's sleight. it's sleight mm-hmm. of hand it's pulling off the, the trick, I mean, to to compare it to another Christopher Nolan film, *The Prestige*, is is uh, is, uh, and I mean that as in in terms of the the actual term of like the reveal of a magic trick, it is accomplished because of the sleight of hand distraction of everything else. Where this movie doesn't need that, it's not trying to obfuscate. You're just kind of along for the ride and watching as Voss gradually loses control of her consciousness. Okay, so we've talked at length about like some of the larger ideas at play. Should we start getting more specific sequences you guys enjoyed. Well, let's start
2: with the very first scene we see, where the black lady is uh, in front of the mirror, and she has to, you know, stick the uh, device
0: into her head. as we learn later, it's the the calibration device. Yeah, um, it looks like a meat thermometer, like we said before. Because Voss is possessing her, but yeah, it... To start the movie, just seeing this this young woman standing in front of a mirror and inserting kind a of long, trepanating herself a long needle into the back of her skull and like turning a dial on a device and sort of like fluctuating through a series of emotions like laughing intense and emotions yeah yeah it's um, very very unsettling yeah and also like we haven't talked I mentioned that the film is very gory and brutal but like even from that first little bit like we get like an extreme close-up of like the needle going into her head i feel like it so perfectly sets the tone for the rest of the movie because it's like if you're gonna get squeamish at that little bit then you're gonna have a bad time with the rest (laughs) of the movie yeah
2: Uh, it's a it's a good primer for the rest of the movie to say the least and uh from there you know we have that sequence where she's going up to the party where uh she's supposed to be waitressing at with all these other waitresses and I love the costume design of the you know like we said before the bright blue you know almost heaven's gate looking yep, the heavens
0: gate tracks
2: um,
1: I think it was like the 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 scene where she first walks into the room um I think like just I just straight up said I already love the color in this film like <laughs> I already love the color like it, it's we're in just just for a good time. super
2: saturated just mm-hmm. super vibrant blue
0: yeah I love how that that sequence too foreshadows or sets up so many other things that we see more of in the movie, like the the distortions of reality that Voss experiences. We get the first one in that scene where she's looking at the fountain and the water is going backwards into it while everything else is seemingly normal and we don't know what's going on yet. It's like, what the fuck is happening here? And we see more of that later when she's in Colin's body with like the little... Little specks of yeah. white, that, a white nugget, little white, yeah, dust motes or whatever that appear that she'll grab and then they're not there. That set up wonderfully. Um, as we kind of mentioned, the inability to pull the trigger and kill herself after the assassination is set up there, and also just kind of like Voss obviously takes some kind of, like, she kind of gets off on the violence, too. We see in that scene the 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 fact that she doesn't just shoot the guy like she's supposed to, and Jennifer Jason Lee remarks on that later. Instead, she takes a knife and stabs him, like, 40 times, just, like, over and over and over and over again, like, really cathartic, brutal violence. Well, she we-
1: essentially turns his face almost into a mask. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Because um, she does it again later with well, yeah, Sean Bean. To Sean Bean, and instead of, with fire shooting, poker, instead of
0: just shooting him like she's supposed to, she beats the shit out of him with a fire poker and breaks his teeth with it. Well, and yeah, because like. His eye out he's on the and, ground,
1: and she just starts kind of digging into his face with yeah. it, and like up under and through the mouth. Like, and it just, yeah, it creates this, like, yeah, just, just, oh, yeah, pulps everything under really, the skin. really gnarly, it's, too. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's just stomach Absolutely churning. Absolutely brutal. And it plays into that same deep sort of psychological, like, tr- almost tribal horror that we all experience when we see clown faces. Because, like, that... <laughs> okay. that co- Follow me. Co- follow me on this journey real quick. I'll go with uh, you. The, When... The, the one of the things that can psychologically like freak you out about a clown face is like the red around the eyes and mouth because that, uh, in some circumstances came from like enemy warriors wearing their prey's faces and that, that idea of like the, the mouth around the mouth and like the eye holes around the eyes is just can can really hit you on like a like a deep psychological like it's primal war paint, level like the joker and uh yeah and there, well, yeah I mean that that is of course why the joker is uh so um uh, terrifying. Um, uh, <laughs> oh man, and, and deep, you know, and, and equally deep to this film, uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but no. Uh, uh, honestly, though, I, I the the that idea of masks and, well, and, and like wearing your prey is you yeah. Know, that's also
2: things. you know brought back in later when Voss starts losing control of the consciousness to uh, to Colin, and you get that amazing sequence where. You know, in very Cronenbergian fashion, you know, you see their faces kind of ripping apart from each other and just gnarly skin separating between the two. And then even later you get the mask. Uh, yeah,
0: that that was my probably my favorite sequence in in the film where the deep cover guy Eddie shows up to like help try to let Voss retake control of Colin's body so she can kill herself, you know, so they can pull her out and uh and we get that that scene of like literally Voss and Colin struggling like in in the same mind and he like pops her head like a balloon and then wears the skin like a mask. And we see him going back through previous events that we've seen in the movie, but it's him wearing her mask instead of her. And oh, my God, it's well, it's really creepy to
1: trivialize it. Essentially, Colin is uh, uh saying the the, the classic, I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me.
0: <laughs> well, the mask
2: is really disturbing. You know, it's not like a crazy detailed mask, by any- it's detailed enough. But you know what? It reminded me. Of? It-, it reminded me of uh, Michael Myers. Or Leatherface, yeah, yeah, or Leatherface. Yeah, you know, I think it's, both of those it's, are apt It's in you know being able to see glimpses of what's underneath mm-hmm. ma- is what makes it so creepy. You know, you can see his mouth kind of inside of the mouth of yeah uh, the mask, and it just makes it all the more
1: unsettling and, and tactile. I can, and I can imagine like an uh, Inception dude, bro, going like, "What's going
0: on right now? Is, is, are they wearing the mask? What, what is this?" <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 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 a reversal because she's wearing his face like a mask, and then he's wearing her like a mask, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, it it's it's one of those things when you talk about it, it, it is kinda it is kinda like Stoner Bro, like, whoa man, it's crazy how that kind of shit can happen. Are but, we all, uh, just, wearing are, masks, are, are we all just wearing masks? Are we all just wearing masks? Um but the execution is is so skillful yes. and so like artfully done. That it is, um, it's very uh, unsettling.
1: One element that I think brings out the the skillful qualities is once again how little detail we are given as to how this process works. Yeah, because you know she says like like pull me out before uh, like attempting to to kill like her her host um, that she's she's inhabiting, but we don't know like when like between like like how slow that process is we don't know how fast it is um how effective like how much gets pulled out we don't know what the time frame is if they're too slow or too fast uh well, what will mention- happen like we know that like it can be fucked up we know that we know that yeah well and they mentioned before they go into
2: She goes into Colin that, you know, if she stays in the body too long, she will lose herself
0: like longer, longer than like three Mm -hmm. days. And we get that
2: excellent sequence where they're trying to pull her out and then she just starts bleeding from the mouth Mm -hmm. in real life
1: in the machine. Yeah. And leading up to that, like what's cool is because we don't know how sensitive the like the removal process is, it leaves us just on the edge of our seat wondering. Right. Like in and and sort of like uh, just terrified of of that, Like, uh, so when she's just bleeding from the mouth and everything else, like, it, yeah, it's so much more of a surprise or a shock.
0: I I got the impression, and once again, this isn't explicitly stated, so this is just the way I read it. I got the impression that they could actually pull her out very, fairly easily, but the trick is that they had to do it at the moment that she pulls the trigger because if they pull her out before the host is dead then the host has full control of the body and there's no way for them to get that back mm-hmm. so it's it is it's time sensitive in that it has to be like synchronized like so much of of this process is about synchronization you know the calibration device is about resynchronizing her brain with her or her consciousness with the host's brain it's like it's all very delicate and we see how horribly wrong it can go when that time-sensitive stuff is not handled properly. Also, it's exacerbated by the fact that when she first fails to kill herself as Colin and he takes control because of the survival instincts... He immediately picks up a shard of glass and starts digging around in the hole in the back oh, of his yeah. skull God, to try to get about that? to try to get the device out. So he damages the device in the process, which just makes everything like so much uh, more <laughs> dramatic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and horrible. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. Um, well, why don't we talk about the? Uh, I think the the most effective metaphor. In this film, and that's the butterfly, because it's it's used, I think, so well in the ending of this movie. Like, I I love the way this film ends. Um, And I know it's we have many other sequences to cover, but it's so fitting to to this topic after her first mission that we see. uh, She's sort of reacclimating to her actual body and her mind again. And uh, she's given a kind of
0: like a debriefing process with Jennifer Jason Leigh.
1: Yeah. To make sure that all the cogs are still are still clicking. Mm -hmm. And so she she pulls out various objects from a box and has to name what they are and the significance they are to herself
0: and whether they belong Um, to her or not.
1: Yeah. And it's cool because it's sort of like the reverse of like a void comp test from Blade Runner you know it's it's sort of like a test to make sure that you are yourself again and that you're you're yeah. back there.
0: Well, and it's testing that through once again the concept of possession. She's going through a list of items and determining which one of those are hers, which one of those does she possess. And yes. that's like that's the trick is is she able to remember what is hers and what is not? Mm-hmm. To to be able to tell if she is back to herself and how much of the host's consciousness lingers with her.
1: And so what I thought was going to happen in this film during that scene is I thought we were being set up for one of her hosts to come back with her. Oh, and we would have a sequence, cool, right? Actually. Like and that's what I was that's the direction I thought they were going in where we we'd have a sequence where we're sitting down with her with the other person in, you know, like uh, inside, once sure. again, that I'm not in here with you, you're in here with me <laughs> situation, um, uh, and that that would be some sort of a tell, or there'd be tension around them trying to lie through it. But we don't get that, and that's fine. I really like how the film ends instead. But the second object that she picks up, or she pulls from the box, is a uh, sort of a shadow box of a pinned butterfly. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells us that it was a butterfly that she killed when she was a child. And felt bad about, and so then she decided to pin it and press mm-hmm. it. And, it's and, almost
0: like she's the butterfly man. Well, the way
1: I see it, and I, I think the the intent is, and also get out of here. Uh,
0: the, I'm <laughs> the, right.
1: I'm right. The the intent there is like the the butterfly is. Her prey, like it's the um, uh, Colin. You know, like Colin is the butterfly in the in the story, and you know she's she's killing Colin. She's preying on Colin, but she begins to feel remorse, and that we don't know whether it is the host coming back that is preventing her from killing the host or if it is her feeling sympathy for the host and that's why she's sort of allowing them to come back a little bit and that that's what the problem is and that's left open to an our interpretation
0: oh see that's that's interesting because i read that whole thing entirely different same same i don't read colin as or the butterfly as her prey i think the butterfly is her she is Pinned by Jennifer Jason Lee. She is kept by her as sort of as, as, a, as a, a prize, as a point of pride. And that the reason she loses control is not because she has remorse for any of these people. In fact, I find her throughout pretty remorseless entirely. I, f- I think that she has become so adept at being a hunter that she has lost the capacity for remorse. She is only a predator, and it ends up being her undoing because she gets so lost in it that she loses control, because she loses herself in the hunt, in the possession of the body, and that's why she is ultimately kind of defeated by colin because she is not able to maintain that level of control and it's not from remorse it's because she gets lost in the sauce as gucci main that's so
2: interesting because i i read it as kind of a synthesis of of oh
0: yes so i I, uh, yeah so i think i think
2: the the key in the butterfly is the second time she's asked at the very end of the movie she doesn't mention her guilt or remorse at all. I see that omission as kind of her complete loss of humanity.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah it took as, that process. Yeah, it, that makes sense. Through, through because the, it was, it was a the beginning of the mm-hmm.
2: movie. You know, you see her struggling to end the host's life. You know, and I think bringing in the family. You know, that she had left and is now coming back to as kind of her last grasps of humanity and trying to have a sense of self yeah. and a, a sense of humanism because she feels like she should, and, but she doesn't actually feel it. Well, I I would argue that she has inklings of that feeling, Yeah, but Jennifer Jason Lee doesn't want that because she knows that humanity is what makes her weak and susceptible to, you know, the host taking yeah. control back,
1: which is largely why she tries to manipulate her away from her ex-husband and child.
2: well, even further in the movie i think that's the reason she lets some of the things that happen happen and the reason that ultimately her whole family is destroyed in the end yeah colin takes control again and goes to the house and you know ends up killing her ex-husband and in the struggle her son is killed too because yeah. uh jennifer jason lee takes his body to kind of finally pull her out and i think that was done very very purposely on jennifer jason lee's oh, part oh for sure you know?
0: i mean absolutely like jennifer jason lee's character is extremely calculated in ensuring that she keeps voss for her own her own use and like yeah obviously very obviously she's trying to drive her away from her family and i think by the end she has succeeded even before the family is killed because when voss is trying to regain control of colin's body in that sequence and we kind of have the two of them standing there in in the room together and like he's got the gun to her ex husband's head and he's like i swear to god i will i will kill him she says do it like, she doesn't have tenderness for her family at this point anymore. Like, she has, she has fully given herself over to that predatory instinct. Like, we even see the beginnings of that earlier, like, when she tries to go back to her family, and she's not really happy with them to the extent that, like, she goes downstairs in the middle of the night to call Jennifer Jason Lee and be like, yeah, I know I said I needed time off, but I'm actually ready to come back to work. Like, call me call me in whenever Like she doesn't she at that point, she is fully willing to abandon her family. And anything that is left of that is just her knowing that she should still love her family. I saw that.
1: I saw that as her seeing that as a weakness in herself and realizing that her family still had that effect on her and was like her trying to escape from that and like uh, escape back into her work.
0: I mean, I think the two yeah. are kind of the well, same. Like and it's, I, I think it's the, her, the beauty in it is that you can
1: interpret it either way because that allows the viewer to act in a similar way of like a loss of identity, right? Like we are, we are so sure about like our um, our protagonist's motives. We sort of hijack Voss the same way that Voss hijacks other people, mm-hmm. right? Like we, because we're sort of given this blank slate with a with a degree of texture, we're allowed to impose our own motives onto onto Voss the same way that she imposes her motives onto other people, and it allows the the viewer themselves to be a possessor, which is really cool. It's fucking awesome stuff.
2: See, I think I think I read the ending slightly differently. I I see it as. Extremely bleak. First off, oh no doubt. Obviously, I don't think you guys are arguing that. (laughs) Not just because you know you're killing a kid, which is inherently loaded and edgy in itself, but also I I see the family as kind of a symbol of her humanity as a whole, and I think her being accepting of killing her family is not her not having it to begin with i think she realizes that it's hopeless and there's no way the agency is going to let her have any humanity so she just accepts it you know and i think that's even more bleak because i think it really plays full circle into the idea of her not being an individual but just a possession of
1: the agency as a whole to be used as a tool. The butterfly itself does act as a tool to show us that this character at some point does feel empathy. Whether it was just when they were a child, they don't feel it anymore. Oh, yeah. But they're capable of, like, some amount of, you know, like... They're not pure sociopath.
0: I think, well, no, 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 no. And I, I would not suggest that. I think that, if anything, what the film shows us is that when we are introduced to this character at this stage in her life... She is trying to hold on to the last little vestiges of empathy that she is capable of, but doesn't really feel it and allows herself to lose it by the end. Mm-hmm. I think that like well, and ignoring
1: like the, the signs of damage or ignoring like her signs of failure yeah. are a means of uh, denial.
0: Yeah, I I I mean, she obviously had a family like she had a husband and a son and like her husband says, you know, at that scene at the beginning, like, I want you to move back in like I'm tired of this, like I want things to be the way they were. So it's like, obviously, she did have a happy life before. I just think that by the time we're introduced to her, she has almost lost it and and the it's movie, mostly gone yeah it's it's almost entirely gone and the events of this movie are what make her lose that last little bit of it yeah, 100%. yeah 100%. and, it's, and it's, i think the
2: whole crux of through the, the
0: machinations the, of
2: jennifer the Jason actions Lee. of this movie are showing the resiliency of the last little bit of humanity that she does have you know that comes out in the hesitancy and difficulty she has in killing her host that comes out with her revisiting the family. It's mm-hmm. that last little vestige of yeah, she's trying. Right? Like the, well, the self.
1: Yeah, like that, that concern for the butterfly again. And that that is exactly my thought on that. Like because we are told multiple times uh that she's like the best. She's the best in the field. So if if You're she You're my was, best agent. Right. Like <laughs> so um thank you. Uh <laughs> if If she is, right, and she has lost all of her humanity, then there shouldn't be any reason for, for that person to take over anymore, right? There shouldn't be any, any means. But if they still can, it has to be because of a character weakness, right? I see that as like the only way that the host could still try, like, could still be allowed to not pull the trigger, right? Because if she is so good at her job, like we're told, then it, it shouldn't be a problem. But the fact that it is says something. Right, and I think it it says that and it says think, that she feels bad for the butterfly.
2: Yeah, and I think on the flip side, you know, the fact that we keep seeing her kill in more and more deranged, heartless ways shows that humanity leaving her. You know the fact that she doesn't yeah. simply shoot them. Yeah, that's uh, shooting them would be the merciful thing. Of course, you the know? cleanest. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, Sean Bean, like she's pinning that butterfly.
0: Right, but <laughs> yeah. she also, but she does not She does the same thing in the opening sequence. She yes. That that brutality, that desire to not just kill but to brutalize is already very strong it's, in her. It's yeah. ritualistic That's what I'm saying. like she's lost she, she's yeah. lost almost all of it well, already.
1: I said yeah, I see it almost as like a ritualistic act of proving which again like filters back into her denial as well, right? Is like it is her trying to show herself that it is gone, right? Like she's repeatedly stabbing these people, she's like and mutilating them like and killing them in just the worst ways possible instead of just a clean gunshot. Right. Because she is trying to show that to herself, and she's having to, tr- and she's going out of her way to show that to herself because there is doubt. Does that make sense? And then, it's, so it's an act of her trying to prove that to herself, and she keeps trying to prove it to herself, and that's why she's having denial over it. Right? It's like, should we pull you out? What's going on? Why are you laying on the floor of this bathroom as your host? What's happening here? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Let's go forward with the mission. It's denial. Right. Well, there's
0: there's a lot of denial, but for me that reads as, as denial via hubris, because she has been told that she is the best, because she has this high track record of success, and that she is such a valuable asset, that any sign of weakness, as in her losing control would not only force her to admit it to her employers, but also to herself that she is not the best. I think in those in those instances where she, like, brutally murders these people, it's less about her trying to prove something to herself and just yet another uh, instance of her losing control. Because that's what she does the entire movie and what ends up with her and Colin struggling to maintain control of this body. It's because even though she's the best at this, she cannot maintain control. She, is, she has lost something that allows her to control either from doing this too many times, whatever, psychological damage, whatever it might be, all of the above. She is not in control. And her rages where she massacres people are that, but on a larger scale. She is giving herself over to the rage and the bloodlust. She is allowing herself to become the beast. And then after that, she's not able to finish it because she's so caught up In that moment that she has let the control slip. So when she tries to pull the trigger and kill herself, the host takes over again. Because the survival instinct is stronger, and she's not firmly in control. That's the way that I read it. Wow, I love that read. I still feel the other way about it. But I don't think I th- it's necessarily the right answer. Well, no, yeah. I, I
1: think that's what's great is I think that they're, they both have a great deal of validity. And um, how how great is it that you can you can write a character with that sort of interpretation? Right. Like, and that's, that's not easy to do. Like that's, that's really challenging. Um, and it it goes back to the same thing I said about like Eraserhead and, uh, like so many other great films that utilize like the right amount of abstraction, right. Is they've given us enough texture to latch onto, but there is, there are so many different ways that you can view it, that you can perceive it and Mm -hmm. interpret it. And how fucking great is that, man? Like how, ah, yeah. Real props to this film. Good movie. Good. Good movie. Good. Well, to cap
2: everything off, this is one of the main reasons I will never be getting a Neuralink.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I will I never mean, honestly, have a succub Elon Musk.
2: <laughs> I will never have a computer implanted in my head. No thank you.
1: Nope.
0: No thank you.
1: <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like if you had talked to me like six or so years ago and asked me how I would have felt about having my consciousness downloaded, I would have been like, yo, eternal life sounds rad. These days, yeah, not not so much. Uh, that 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 concept really fucking terrifies
0: me. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, the the like utopian, no It's the utopian ideal, man. It's like if it's not abused by evil people, then hey, it's cool. Yeah, gu- but it's guess like, what? <laughs> but in what reality would that be the case? Yeah, what not this one. Think? One
2: of the end of the spectrum, you have like, San Junipero, uh, you know, living out your your dream world fantasy for eternity. On the other end of the spectrum, you have your body being taken over to do uh, contract killings. Uh, small yeah, recommendation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we We wouldn't really have an opportunity to talk about it another time on this podcast, but uh, small recommendation at this point if you're into this sort of conversation, go check out Devs. Oh go yeah, go check out the show Devs yeah. because I, it's it's the, it's yeah. the best conversation, the, the best talking point about it, um or anything. I, I, it isn't Alex Garland is it, it? is Alex I, I, yeah it's anything Alex show. Garland, uh, uh, ex Machina, uh Devs, yeah because it it really gets into that in beautiful ways.
0: Yeah, Devs fucking rules. Definitely uh, my favorite television uh, show from this year, twenty twenty. It's yeah. not it's not explicitly horror, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we'll probably never talk about it on the show. But Alex Garland fucking rules and devs was amazing mm-hmm. um and uh yeah definitely worth checking out um anything else on this one boys or, or is it time to well, relate i mean i think, me there's, think there's
1: there's so many I think great moments i think there's
0: more to unpack but it's it's one of those things where it's like i would almost just encourage people to go experience it themselves yeah. like we've hit all the big ones um you know i think that in many ways, we've just hit the tip yeah. of the iceberg. Sound uh, design uh,
1: equally minimal to the world building. I will uh, say, like the tension is just like really uh, le- leaves you out in the open. Like I did not love. One
2: of the very minor complaints that I had is sound mixing a little bit. I think uh, there were a couple times where the the dialogue was a bit hard to make out, hmm. and we were even playing it loud. It was just a couple moments in particular, uh, but it did stand out because this movie is very very good, so it gets down to the nitpicky points. Um, Yeah, some of those,
0: I think I know some of the instances you were talking about, and I had a hard time telling if they were badly mixed, or if they were purposely obfuscated, because I feel like a lot of those instances came at moments where Voss was kind of like zoning out, was fearing, experiencing some like disorientation, sort of like giving into the ringing in her ears and shit like that. So So it's like, I don't, there were times where I'm like, I can't tell what that person is saying, but I never felt like I was missing important dialogue because of it. It felt more ambient to me. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Um, I think that this film is overall very meticulous Uh, It has a high attention to detail. And I think uh, a a lot of the richest
2: elements of it come out in the
0: small details. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ben, this was your pick, so why don't you write it first? Sure.
2: Well, you know, early on I said I I wish they had gone in a little more with the philosophy. And after we talked about it a little bit more and we kind of delved into some of the themes and ideas presented... I think it's a lot more rich than I was initially giving it credit for. I think this movie is easily one of the best of the year. I was going into this firmly believing I was going to give it a four and a half, but after talking about it, this has got to be a five. This is just a fantastic movie. It's one easily one of the best of the year, and I think it's essential viewing.
0: I can ditto that pretty much exactly. I was also planning on giving it a four and a half when we started, but there is so much more, you know, to it than I originally anticipated. And so and such a a, a sort of um, diverse number of readings for things in this film. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely have gained a greater appreciation of it through our conversation and I'm going to give it a five out of five as well. Actually, it's
1: an easy five for me. It's not too often that I can, I can be sitting in a film and feel so uncomfortable and just not want it to end and just want to still be there because I'm just so drawn into the world and the 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 events as they're occurring um, uh, like uh, it, it's rare for me that like I, I can just really want to dig into that film and just live in and in, in that really shitty time
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a bad time um, in the best way like this is yes. a very dark bleak depressing um nihilistic film in a lot of ways like i would not recommend going into this like if you're in in a particularly bad headspace like there's not good times to be found here i
1: i'm often quick to shut out nihilism i can get a little tired of it i hold very strong disdain towards apathy often like just as as a personal trait and this this film like it utilizes those themes and those feelings so well that it yeah it just makes me want to immerse myself in it and uh you know it really yeah yeah it really had me turning. Well, yeah great movie. I, more like it. I want I want to see more movies like <laughs> I this. I know I
2: mentioned San Junipero earlier but like I think the the comparison to Black Mirror is interesting because I think this movie does dystopia way more realistically than I feel most like, of Black Mirror. Does. I feel like
0: this movie is what Black Mirror has been trying to be for, like, the last five or six yeah. years. And
1: occasionally does. Occasionally. You know, versus, like, it occasionally gets close. You get
0: glimpses of Glimpse it. Glimpses. Never, or, yeah. no,
1: never, never, like, is, is masterful as like, what this film did. But, like, there are times where, like, Black Mirror does does a pretty great job. Uh, other, um, other times... <laughs> oh boy definitely not uh uh but we're not uh, here to
0: talk about black mirror <laughs> no uh thankfully <laughs> well if your toaster was a white nationalist in it <laughs> that'd be pretty fucked up huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay this is a uh, possessor is a unanimous five out of five from the boys uh, a, a golden pod to be sure um is this our first unanimous five out of five for 2020 films? The only other film that I've given a five out of five this year is The Lodge. and I can't remember if all of us did. Nope or not. Okay. Uh,
2: this is not this is the only 2020 this is, movie. This is our only five out of five.
0: perfect score.
1: Yeah, I gave film a five to, to Invisible Man. But, oh I, wait! I also gave a five to Invisible Man. I did not. Keith yeah. okay. okay. did not. I
0: did not. Um, so yeah, this is our this is our first unanimous. Um Wow, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, and I mean, if that's not a fucking re-endorsement, go check it out. Uh, we did see the uncut version. Yeah. I have heard <laughs> that that is the preferred version. I think it's the think main
2: version you're going to find on VOD. Too. I think there's a
0: couple of different versions floating around. Obviously, we don't know how it differs. There are a couple of scenes particularly well, that I can think of where in, it probably cut. <laughs>
2: in, in a COVID-19 world, it's weird because... The original cut version isn't like getting a theatrical release of any. It was probably designed. It probably originally was
0: going to though. Yeah, yeah,
2: of course. But now you know, the uncut version is probably the version you're going to find online, anyways.
0: Anyway, well, I would recommend it, but uh, not for the squeamish or faint of heart. So yeah, go check out Possessor. Um, Next week, it's my pick. Yeah um i'm keeping the 2020 train rolling there's a few 2020 films i wanted to get caught up on they've been my last few picks going at it again um this time uh i'm choosing the new uh 2020 russian horror film sputnik um i've heard some decent things from folks um, I've heard in many ways that it's just an uh, an, an alien rehash, uh, but I'm, great expecting, to me. Hey, I'm expecting. I love it to
2: alien. Be fun alien rehashes have been done well this year. This yes. is true. Underwater and yeah, also a great not example. well. <laughs> see, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm choosing to hope. Some of the movies that we've talked about. I'm choosing to hope that this will be another yeah. uh, another underwater. We'll see. It's a Shutter original. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with our thoughts on Sputnik. Uh, Before we go. Yeah, Cleveland, who's our sponsor for this week?
1: Here, I'll I'll, I'll hand it over to uh, the, the person that uh, the, the studio hired to. Uh, what studio that is? You'll just have to wait to find out. Uh, hired to, to do the read.
0: Oh, yeah?
1: Hi, my name is Egbert Milligan, and I don't know about you, but... I'm tired of my consciousness inhabiting this meat suit and puppeting it around day to day. So instead of doing that, I've, uh, uh why don't you hand over your consciousness to, uh, 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 uh Blueby and, and, and Frankbert. Their, uh, their company, uh, 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 Suit Incorporated is uh, <laughs> has developed a brand new technology uh, that i'm I'm too tired to name uh, that that will puppet your body for you. and yep, that that's it. you, you get. You get the joke. I, I, i'm I'm tired.
0: It's like that Gerard Butler movie gamer. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Egbert. Now get out of my house. Sure thing. All right, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit those five stars, leave us a nice review, share an episode with your friends or your family. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod or at letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. And you can also see the list of all of our perfect episodes unanimous perfect score golden pods of which possessor is just the latest entry but uh something tells me it won't be the last uh, you can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake I'm on Twitter at mr sheets
1: and this is Cleveland Mosher speaking I, I need to remind you that it's actually me because my impressions are so good and on point um oh, uh, where
0: did Egbert go I, I
1: don't know uh, maybe he was never here um, oh my
0: god uh, anyway
1: uh, you can find me uh, vicariously uh, on Twitter via light Arc studio as we continue to put out progress on our awesome spooky game it stares back we've got our next chapter update tower or call coming out soon you can also see my work on ArtStation if you search cleveland Mosier. uh stay tuned we've got tons of cool i've got tons of cool art stuff and projects in the pipeline
0: all right well thanks for joining us i'm gonna go plug a needle into my brain and <laughs> speaking of plugs and recalibrate this fucking <laughs> failing brain of mine all right bye